Father God, you are so good and mighty and powerful. We just come before you right now and we just thank you and we praise you and we worship you. And we just pray that you would be here, you would be um, mingled amongst every single word that I say. Father God, I pray uh, that we would come each with hearts expectant to hear from you this morning, expectant to hear a word from you, Father God. And I thank you that you are always in conversation with us, always moving, always speaking, always prodding us in different directions, Father God. And so I pray that you would just be here and your will would be done, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Lake House Church. I am super, super, super excited to be here and speak with um, you this morning. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I'm just so thankful for the time that I've got to spend here at this church. Uh, this is an amazing church in that it, it really loves, it really cares. Um, Mark and Kristen are real pastors in that they love and they care and they pastor and they shepherd. And so we have been so, so blessed to be here uh, this year. Um, but we're, I'm about to get involved in a crazy adventure that I'm going to tell you all about. So let's start with Genesis 28 verse 10 and what's just happened is Isaac has led um, his, called his son and said to go off and find a wife and it says Jacob let in verse 10 Jacob left Bathsheba and went towards Haram and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place he put it under his head and lay down in the place to sleep so Jacob is leaving Bathsheba and he's going to Haran but as he's travelling this journey it gets dark uh, he hasn't got a head torch like my husband carries in his bag everywhere he's always prepared he, and so he can't go any further There's no, he can't see the way further so he settles down in what he believes is just a certain place no names given it's just a random stop along the way and five years ago after graduating from college, I moved from Oxford, England and headed towards America and stopped in a certain place that was Texas. Truth was, I wanted to go to New York. I'd signed up for Pays and they'd said, we're looking at setting up Pays in New York. And I was like, I'm there. Manhattan, the Bronx. I'd watched, I watched the music videos and stuff. I was like, I want to go there. You know, I've seen Freedom Writers and, um, and I can't remember that other movie where basically any movie where someone goes into a school or a rough area and the kids like want to punch you but then they love you at the end and then they do a dance at the end of the movie and like everyone cries. That was what I wanted to be. So I was like super, super excited about going to New York. So really I was Oxford on the way to New York. My certain place was Arlington and five years later, here I am. Father God called me to lay down my head and stay thousands of nights in Arlington and I haven't regretted one minute of it. Uh, with pays and just the nature of it quite often people might be in a place for a year or two and then move and so I've watched friends move cities, move states, even move to different pays nations but yet this is where I have been in this certain place called Arlington. 
And each year, Father God has spoken a different word to me. There has just been like a different theme that has resonated. And so this morning, I want to share the five themes that I've learned, the five words that stand out to me for my journey. So is everyone ready for this great adventure? Okay. Year one. This is the exact bags. This is what I packed as I headed out. This one's called Roxy. And this one's called Maisie Moo. And uh, what is really cool and exciting is age 21 for my 21st birthday, my mum and my godmother wanted to give me something that would last, something that would endure. And they gave me suitcases. And uh, they probably had no idea the places that these bags would go. And so I was packed up. This is my dog scamps that I've had since I was eight. And I packed up all my stuff. And I left uh, my, my family. In my family is my mum, my stepdad and two brothers. Uh, at the time they were 17 and 7. And I stepped out alone. This was the first time I'd been on a plane by myself. I travelled nine hours. That day there happened to be a, a terrorist threat. And I, you know now that when you go on the planes, you can only have a certain amount of liquids. I travelled the day they made that rule up. So when I arrived at the airport, everyone's going crazy and they were like, everyone needs to repack their bags, move your liquids out of your hand luggage into your main suitcases. And I'm like, my mum's like calling, like, is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah, everything's fine, just a little terrorist threat. Don't worry. And like, I'm sat on the plane for three hours alone. I remember falling asleep and waking up and the plane's still not moved. There's no, I mean, it's just crazy. And I'm all alone. And I come and I, I remember I sent out a prayer card. We're going to put the prayer card up on the screen. And I gave this out to people. And uh, I said, Sabrina is invading Texas for a 10-month mission from August 2006 to 2007. Well, if ever a lie was written, a 10-month mission right there. But if you look closely, one thing I say is I'm looking for a quality Christian host family with a home gym. I want to go and I want to be in a cool big house with a gym and like a bunch of kids. Like I want to be in the party house. And Rob Johnson's laughing already because the host home I arrived to was a lady and her dog. <laughs> Cindy and her minute to dash end. Cindy, who's hosted more people than any other person ever on pays. Beautiful, beautiful lady um, but there was no home gym there was no crazy family and I don't like animals and she described Star as the princess of the house and I thought Star we'll see about that so, no, so things were like not turning out the way I expected my team, I just didn't really kind of mesh well with them at the start. I got really homesick. At one point during the year, um, I got a call, a text from Steve, and one of our friends had committed suicide. And so there was a lot of grief in that. I had no cell phone. I didn't drive and didn't have a car. Arlington is the largest place with no public transport in the whole of America. That should have really been told to me beforehand. Again, New York was leaving. <laughs> Um, 
I had the incorrect visa and so I couldn't go out in the public schools that first year and so Fridays, after um, most of the day Friday, when all the rest of the team went out into the public schools, me and Paul Green had some real quality times drinking tea in the church office and listening to English music. But it really felt like a difficult time where Father was taking away all my comforts and I felt just so alone. But in that, Father God was teaching me so much. See, one thing that I learned from Cindy, every morning, no matter what time I woke up, but usually way after seven, uh, every morning I would step out of my room and I would go, and as I went into the kitchen, there she would be every single day I lived there reading the Word of God as she had her breakfast. Sometimes she was doing a Beth Moore study. Sometimes she was doing another study. Sometimes, you know, she was just comparing passages. But every morning, every single morning, there she was in the Word of God. And I really started to build this idea of the importance of my time with God. Psalm 84 verse 5 said, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We're all on this journey. We're all on this adventure where we're trying to strive after God. To be in his presence, to walk with him, to have conversation. But we can't do that unless our strength is in him. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. That's where our energy should come from. That should be our source. And sometimes we need to be on our own for that to happen. Think about the wilderness. So often in the Bible, the wilderness is is talked about. And it's this time where things feel dark and there's wandering and you're lost. But in that, there's so much strength. Jesus had that time of wilderness before he was launched into his ministry. And during that year, a friend brought a verse to me, Hosea 2, verse 14. And if you're familiar with the story of Hosea, you know that Father God called him to marry a prostitute so that he could see the metaphor between the heart of God and, and the way he felt about Israel and how Israel was running away from them. And in Hosea 2.4, he says, like, Therefore, behold, I will allure her into the wilderness and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. See, Father God uses these wilderness times where he pulls us away And then he speaks tenderly to us. And he speaks life into us. And he speaks peace into us. And he strengthens us for the journey ahead. And I didn't know. I signed up for a year. I didn't know how much energy and strength I was going to need for the rest of the time. But Father God used that first year and all the wilderness experience I had to strengthen me in him. And so my question for us today is, do we really desire time alone with God? We see these great evangelists, these great preachers, we see all these people we really admire in the Christian faith. But are we willing to go through the process that they've gone through to get to where they are? Do we really value time alone with Father God? Year two. The bike. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever been to spin class at the gym. Spin class is when you're on a bike, kind of similar to this, 
but it's static and you get on the bike not in this this is not my usual gym clothes just in case anyone's wondering but I do look cool but not this floaty um, so then you, you're there in spin class and it's an hour non-stop of cycling it is pretty sweaty and gross I've got to admit and you're there and I remember my friend was telling me a story about how she was in spin class and you know as the, the instructor's telling you okay we're going to do this next bit cycle hard cycle hard and it's like the harder your legs are cycling and going the more and more your hands grip on you grip on and your arms get tense and you're just holding on they say cycle harder and as your legs are moving faster your arms are gripping on even more tightly and what the instructor would say when she could see all the tension in their arms as they were just holding on so hard, hard, she would shout, light hands guys, light hands. And what that meant is that you had to lift your arms up. Rather than be gripping up, you had to lift your hands up and still cycle. So still have that same intensity with your legs, but not grip on as tightly. In my second year, I was a team leader Somehow Paige had seen me, uh, seen the potential in this crazy loudmouth girl and put me in charge of a group of people. And uh, so this was my team. On my team was Steve uh, with the hair. There's a whole preach about the hair, about seeing beneath the hair to someone's true beauty. I mean, there's a whole extreme makeover, husband edition I could talk about. But there's Steve on my team. Uh, there's Lindsay. Um, I begged Pays in the first week we'd met, and I was like, I want Lindsay on my team. And they said, no, she's going somewhere else. And all the year we whined about not being on the same team. And in our second year, they put us together. So I was really excited about that. There's Rachel, and there's Taylor and we were a great team we named ourselves team hot with two t's we're that cool and uh, and we just we thought we were awesome and we worked really well together we work in Turning Point Junior High in Pantigo Christian Academy and Lamar High School as well our week was just like chock-a-buck full of lessons and, uh, and they, were, they were great. They had a lot of capabilities. But as a team leader, I felt a lot of responsibility. I felt like there was a lot of work that needed to be doing. And so as the weeks went on, I was cycling harder and harder and, you know, trying to meet the expectations of our team. And the more and more I did that, my hands got tighter and tighter on the grip of our team. I wanted to be in control. I was scared to give anything to the team in case, you know, they messed up and then I, I got the blame. I can remember spending weekends rewriting ministry for schools that I didn't think was good enough but rather than tell the team I just gripped on tighter and tighter and tighter and Father God shouted light hands. Light hands. We want to be in control and as life is getting harder and harder we cycle and we cycle and we grip on tighter and tighter and Father God is saying light hands. Would you release control to me? In 2 Chronicles, you have the story of Jehoshaphat. And he's facing this battle against the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Manuanites. And so they've got these massive groups next to it, like ready to face battle. And he says, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming towards us. Father God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
And as they carry on going, Father God says, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Sometimes we think the way to get the victory, to win that battle, is to cycle furiously, furiously, as hard as we can. And Father God is screaming out to us, light hands, would you give it up to me? Would you release control? Would you not grip on so tightly? Would you not have so much pride as to think you can do it all by yourself? Would you just let go? In Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon's, you know, exploring, like, what is the purpose of life? And he's talking about it, it says in verse 22, What has a man from all the toil and striving on heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So you have this idea he's exploring, like working and working and working and toiling and toiling and toiling. But then he says there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, in his work. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment in this striving and working we push God out of the way in this desperate cycling and gripping on tight we push Father God out of the way and we realise that apart from him there is no enjoyment, apart from him there is no purpose, apart from him there is no life so we can work all the hours under the sun, we can fill in the gap for all the people who aren't doing their stuff but if we are not giving full control to Father God, apart from Him we can do nothing. Apart from Him it's pointless. Even in Christian ministry, I found out, even in, we can still be holding on so tight, but if Father God is not sovereign, if He doesn't have control, then it's pointless. It's just mere striving. And so the question for us today is, are we really able to have light hands and give up control to God? Are we really able to say, Father, okay, even though my instinct is to grip on so tight, I'm going to let go and I'm going to let you be in charge because you know best, because you are sovereign, because you are Lord, because you are the one that is in control, because all my striving and working and wrestling is pointless without you. Year three. In the summer before year three, something very, very special happened. There was a cute little black girl from England who found her Prince Charming in a, in a private schoolboy from Birmingham. And we had our wedding on July 19th, 2008. Uh, I saw this in a cool magazine and I was deciding... I want giant S's. I mean, who wouldn't want giant S's hanging from the door at our wedding? So as you walked into the church, uh, you walked in, the yellow's me and the blue's Steve. And, and we had like an awesome, super cool wedding. We loved it. And then uh, we went back to England for it. So I planned it from America. Went back 10 days before, after a mission trip in Wales, because we didn't have enough stuff going on. And who could resist a mission trip with Rob Johnson? If you've never been on a mission trip with Rob Johnson, you're missing out. It 
little change of life. Uh, and so we got married. We had a honeymoon in Greece for two weeks. I would recommend it. It was awesome. Uh, and then we had 10 days back at home with our friends and family sharing stories uh, about the wedding. And then we moved back here uh, and we had a little duplex in North Arlington and it was great and it was cute and we went to Ikea and got loads of furniture and then the argument started to happen. In case you hadn't realised something about me, some of you might be shocked to know that I can be a little stubborn sometimes. I know, like this is, this is brand new information to some of you. I can, I sometimes, no, I most of the time believe I am right. Uh, I'm fiercely independent. I'm really from that string. Of, I don't need a man. Mm-mm, no, I'm fine. I can do everything by myself. You know, I, I'm like, I'm so, I'm like super, super independent because we've had that first year of dating where we've not even been in the same country. Like, it's nice to chat to Steve, hang out. It's marriage thing, it's alright, but I don't really need him. It's just fun to have Steve around, you know? And as we're going along, I'm starting to realise maybe this marriage isn't going to work with this kind of mentality. I start to realise that the stubbornness in my heart when we're going into arguments, and I know I'm wrong, but I won't back down. is really causing problems and you know we're going along to work we're working together we're obviously living together and it's just this constant like what is going on no this isn't the way you do it no this is what the toilet brush does how did your mother never teach you to clean the bath I mean like I mean we've got these constant crazy arguments and it's just getting to the point where I'm thinking, are we even going to make it to the first anniversary? And I'm wondering, God, I've got a lot of really, like I've had eight bridesmaids at the wedding, none of which were married. And I'm like, God, why am I the first one to get married so young, so early? I don't feel like I can handle this. I feel like I'm too independent. I feel like, uh, I feel like there's just so, like this just isn't going to work, God. Why, why me? Why now? And one day we had, there was a preacher at church and they were unpacking Genesis 2, verse 18. And you know, a lot of us know this verse. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper for him, a companion. Father God sees Adam there and as he's building uh, creation, he says, no, I can't have Adam on its own. I need to have a companion. And as we go deeper and deeper into it, I realise that Father God needed to break that independent streak in me. That, it, you know, just because of various situations in my life, I just clung on so tight and I gripped so tight to things. And Father God was like, I can't leave you out there on your own because you need to learn to really trust people. You need to learn to make yourself vulnerable with people. You know, we talk about going and like off on trips to find ourselves. So we, we pack, we, I say we, there's people, I would never do this. So you know, you pack a bag and you go off into the wilderness and you hike and, and you camp up and, and you, you kill fish like in Man vs. Wild. And, uh, and you, know, you, you know, you parachute into it and you go and you go off to find yourself. 
and we think we need to go alone to find ourselves but really we are found in community really when we are amongst people week in week out and all our sin and our, our flesh and, and our, our problems and our issues start to get exposed and we're made vulnerable for four people, that's when we truly find ourselves. That's when we work out who we are. We read this um, great book uh, by Gary Thomas and it's called Sacred Marriage and the whole point of it is talking about the different themes that come out of marriage and he says if you want to be free to serve Jesus there's no question stay single marriage takes a lot of time but if you want to become more like Jesus if you want to become more like Jesus I can't imagine any better thing to do than get married being married forces you to face some character issues you'd never have to face otherwise and it's not just being married that does this it's just being in any kind of close community with people it forces you to face some character issues you'd never have to face otherwise but to do that we do have to make ourselves vulnerable it was so hard for me in that first year of marriage to go to people and say I was struggling but when I finally when we allowed ourselves to be vulnerable and say that we got help and people shared their stories of the first year of marriage and we realised we're actually not doing too bad at this are we? Because we all have issues we all have junk we all have baggage we all have struggles but when we're in community and sharing with each other then we can start to heal some of that then we can start to be made free it is not good for man to be alone isolated from everyone else thinking they can do fine alone we need each other and so the question is are you willing to be truly vulnerable in community are you willing to allow yourself to be in community and be truly vulnerable with those you are around Year four. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs sixteen nine says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So this year I'm 24, we've made it to the first year of marriage, hooray, and we're watching, it's because it's three years after we've graduated from university, so more of our friends, we've kind of all been working our way up, starting to make a, a decent paycheck, and, uh, and I'm looking on Facebook at all my friends, and I'm seeing them, they're, you know, they're going to lots of concerts, and lots of vacations, I keep getting these invites to girls' nights, and hangouts, and weekends in London, and weekends in Paris, and, and like, every time I see their pictures, they've gone to some fun place, and got back stage to some gig or or got in VIP to a club or something and I'm like I'm watching like my friends lives and then I'm comparing it to mine and I'm seeing that me and Steve seem to spend a lot of our time at kids birthday parties 
or Saturdays at baseball games for someone else's child. You know, we're the only people there with a cooler and chairs. And people go, hey, who are your kids? And we're like, we don't have any. We're just here to watch the games. And they're like, all right, security. Uh, but, you know, we're there. There was, a, there was a great time where our friends invited us that year to their, fr- to their kids' um, swim party at the YMCA. And so me and Steve get changed into our, our swimsuits, obviously, and we, like, run into the pool, and all the adults are dressed on the side, and we're the only adults in there with the kids, and they're like, yeah, and, like, you know, trying to jump on our backs, and we're like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 and all these parents are like, who are they, who are they? <laughs> and, and, like, we just, but because of the people that we were friends with, we just ended up do, hanging out with a lot of families. And we had, like, Paul Green, who was, like, always randomly, like, round our house for ribs. Whenever there was meat, Paul Green was at our house. And, uh, and we had friends from Pays, but a lot of our time was spent with, uh, was spent with families. Was spent hanging out with, uh, spending time with families. And we really kind of started to, to wonder and um, to wonder and try and, and get this because we kind of like struggled with it. So we had all these, these different amazing people that we were blessed with in our, in our life and we loved spending time with them and, and we loved hanging out with them. But our friends who were our age seemed to be on a totally different wavelength, you know. They were carefree and having conversations about where they were going to party that weekend. And we were in conversations about date nights and parenting and homeschooling versus public schooling. And we're like, how did this happen? We've not even got any kids. How are we in these conversations? And... As time grew and grew, Father God really just started to build and develop this love for family in us. We were already like super passionate about our family. One of the hardest things we found was being away from our family. And so we'd ended up in these circles and God was just teaching us so much about kids and parenting and what it took and as the time went on he was developing uh, even more of a passion for adoption and I've come into the relationship thinking well we'll just have like maybe one kid or two, two at a push but an amount you can fit into a really nice car like a Mercedes or something you know or like you know even the ones with like the seats that go two doors like just shove the kids in the back you know put the, put the convertible roof down like that kind of car and I wasn't you know if it was a pretty car that that was the amount of kids I wanted in it but Father God really started to open our hearts to well what if there's kids who need a family and you're the people that need to be able to look after them are you willing Sabrina to drive a minivan (laughs) that talk about struggle right there but Father God really impressed this verse upon us Psalm 68 5 and 6 Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. 
This has become our heart. This has become our passion. Out of this period of just being surrounded night after night, weekend after weekend with families, Father God has not only built our passion for families, but he's equipped us for it. And it felt like a struggle at the time because it seemed so contradictory to where we should have been at age 24 and 25. But this was what Father had for us. And so the question is, what are we struggling with in our current situation that Father is using to teach us? I wouldn't take back that year and the time that we have spent learning from families because even though I can't see what's ahead I know that there's going to be just so much blessing and there's so many situations that we're going to be able to deal with that we wouldn't have been able to deal with if we hadn't gone through that situation so what right now is going on with you that you are struggling with that Father God is using to teach you what passion is he birthing out of this period what, is, what lesson is he teaching you what situation in the future is he trying to equip you for right now Amen. year five Steve and I went for a walk. That sounds a bit dramatic, but literally in the five years we've been in Arlington, I think we've only been for a walk once. It's pretty hot here, and you don't usually have sidewalks where we can walk. Um, So if you ever come to England and visit Oxford with the bikes, the paths, it will blow your mind. Public transport with buses, I mean, whole new world. Uh, But there was one day and we were just we were really wrestling and trying to work out different situations and so we went on a walk and we were just going around the neighbourhood talking um, praying, just thinking and meditating on different situations and different decisions to be made and as we're turning this loop going back towards our house, there was this big massive open field and it looked a little overgrown and so we were like oh if we shortcut through here it will be fine um, and we'll be like much closer to our house because now I was way over the walk it was super hot and I just wanted to get home and so we're crossing through this field and you know skipping this field, and, uh, and we hear oi this isn't public property get off my land and we're like woo <laughs> and we turn around and we're like we're sorry we're sorry we're sorry you know in our little pretty English voices and we're like running back she's like oi are you English? <laughs> we're like, yes, oh no, oh no, they're going to bring up Independence Day and they're going to get mad at us, oh no. So we're like, no, uh, we're like, yeah, we're English. Oh, me too, come on over, come on over. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought the only English people in Arlington were on pays. <laughs> so we go over to this lady and she's from England. She's moved to America because she's met this guy on MySpace. And, uh, <laughs> and we're like chatting away to her and she's sharing her story. We're sharing about why we're in America and sharing about pays. We this great conversation and about half an hour later we're like, well, you know, we're we're going to go back and we turn to go the other way and she's like oh no we're friends now carry on love carry on so we're like alright and we go back um, we go back through that same field and when I went home I was reading these verses 
and in and Psalm 80 I went back home and I was reading the Psalms and, uh, and God just started to bring together all these different things from the walk in Psalm 18, 19 he said he brought me out into a broad place he rescued me because he delighted in me Psalm 18, 36 you gave me a wise place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip Psalm 31, 8 you have set my feet in a broad place and Father God started to speak to us about how we'd walked out into this open space, this open place, and then we'd had a difficulty, we'd had a problem, but we still managed to get through. We still came out the other side. And we really felt like Father was leading us into an open space. He was really, these verses and that time, he was talking to us about open spaces. And it was after that point and after a lot of prayer that I left um, the administrative role that I had with Pace. And so I, I, you know, I came on Pace, I just had such a love and a passion for students, but I was finding it, just finding it difficult in the, in the role I had in an office. And I was petrified, I was petrified of like nothingness, of it just being open, of not knowing what to do. And in Genesis 2, verses 8 to 9 we, um, we read you know this going back to that creation story and it said that the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man who he formed and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so we've got this massive open space and we've got these trees risen up and so often when we think about the Garden of Eden we think about the one bad tree we think about the one no but in fact Father God's telling us that there's all these trees and every tree is pleasant to the sight and good for food we live in a garden of yeses but sometimes we focus on that no there are so many good, awesome things. There's so many things that we could do with our lives. Sometimes we get stuck between, oh, well, God, should I do this or should I do that? And we forget that there is a big open space of freedom that Father God is calling us to live in. He's not got one specific job that he wants us all to do. He's not got one specific plan that we all step in line to. He's got a garden full of yeses, a big open space that he wants us to follow him into. Amen. This um, painting was done by a student of mine and I came into her room one day before a mentoring session and I saw her sketching this out and she had no idea... Um, that I was thinking of stepping down from my position on pays, uh, but this just spoke into my life massively. This idea that here we are in uh, in grey. This poem's entitled, this painting's entitled "Comfort Zone," and so here we are in this area of what's familiar and what's seen. And Father God is saying, well, if you, if you just stretched your hand out of your comfort zone, out of what's seen, out of what you know. What are the colours that you could see? What are the things that could be ahead of you? Each one of us has got a comfort zone, a place where we feel secure and we feel comfortable. 
but there is so much more that Father has for us. That is part of the journey. That is part of the adventure. And so all of a sudden I had this open stage, this open place in front of me, and it was all like a blank page. Just emptiness. My day was this. And what we discover when everything is open is our heart really comes out. Because at the end of the day, we look back at what we did and it shows us what's in our heart. I discovered in the last year I really like Jeopardy. I really like that game show. (laughs) 11 o'clock, Alex Trebek, he cracks me up. But then out of that, I also discovered that I loved writing that when I had nothing to do, the Father would lead my heart towards just writing my words out and pouring out my spirit and wrestling with all these different issues. And what I did with my blank page, my open space, was start a blog and start writing and posting, uh, posting these just like little pages of notes up on Facebook. And the comments I started to get back overwhelmed me. Because they were reaching people, they were speaking to each people's lives. I was getting comments back from friends who, who knew Christ and friends who didn't know Christ saying, this is blessing me, this is speaking into me. I had one girl once, 20 minutes after I posted one up, say, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And she messaged me later and told me all about this crazy situation she'd had in the day. And then she'd come back, read my note, and it spoke exactly into what she needed to hear. So with this open space, this open page, not only does Father God show us and expose what's in our heart, he uses it to bless others. As this time's gone on, he's just shown me the brokenness in the world as I've had conversations with people and as I've worked with a family and and my time with that family and struggles that come with parenting, I've wondered how do you do this without Christ? How do families who've got just one parent cope and survive? These tools that the church is teaching about parenting, how comes non-Christian families don't know this? We just see the constant breaking and destruction of the nuclear family and people need to step into the gap. And as that's gone on, Father God has just shown me more and more that he wants me to step into social work. But if I hadn't had this open space, if I hadn't stepped out of my comfort zone, that passion in my heart might not have been revealed. And so my question to you is, when we are given an open page, what do we do with it? When you have free time, where are you led towards? When you have nothing on your schedule, what moves you, what motivates you? See, this next year... I have no idea what is in store with us. We move back on September 12th and after that I do not know what it looks like. We're applying for courses, we're applying for jobs, we don't have a home, uh, we're not sure what exactly our sponsorship money is going to look like when we don't have jobs. And we went out yesterday to Walmart and we got six of these and Maisie Moo and Roxy and Steve's suitcase called Animal as well. And uh, we're going to pack them full of whatever can fit in them. And this is what we're going to take back. This is what we'll have to show for the last five years in Arlington. But the things that you can't see that go inside as well are the stories from each of the years. 
of learning to desire time with Father God that lesson of learning to have light hands and not be controlled we take that back we take learning to be vulnerable in community and the importance of finding a community we take family and our passion for family and wrestling through those struggles to see what Father God's teaching you we take stepping out of our comfort zone and we pack it in this and we take it so really we we go equipped ready for whatever faces us next Father God is teaching us things, preparing us for the next journey. But if we don't take time to look back at all he's taught us and reflect upon that, then what do we take into the future? What lessons even this week has Father taught you to take into the next week? What treasures has he revealed in your life that you need to use? How has he equipped you? What is Father God teaching you in the place you are in? Where is he leading you to next? If we go back to the story in Genesis of Jacob, we see that after um, he laid his head down to sleep, he dreamed and he dreamt about heaven and angels and stuff. And he wakes up in verse 16 and he says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely for me, Father God has been in this place in Arlington. And I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed as I lay my head down to sleep that first night. All these things that he would have revealed to me. Surely Father God was in this place that I couldn't even point out on the map because I got on the plane. Surely Father God was in Arlington, this certain place. And so I leave you guys with this thought. The Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is in the place you are in right now. Do you know that? Father God, we just worship you. Father God, we thank you that you are faithful and that you, you love us unconditionally. Thank you, Father God, that you are engaging constantly in conversation with us, that you are speaking to us, you're leading us, you're teaching us, Father God. And so I pray uh, for that time alone with you just to reflect on the things that you want us to hear today, Father God. Help us to look at our lives, look at the lessons. Father God, not just so we we know more, but so that we would know surely you are in this place right now, Father God. Father God, may each one of us know you are in our current situations. You are in our current circumstances. You are in it, Father God, revealing your will to us, Father. I thank you for that and I praise you for that, Father God. And may we always be people willing to step out of our comfort zones to explore what you would have for us, Father God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.